You're listening to the Hope Assembly podcast with Pastor Ryan Day. For more information, you can visit us online at hopeassembly.org. Please enjoy this week's sermon. Well, today we're going to continue our series on dominion. We're talking about how God's rule and reign impacts all of our lives. And we're on the third part of this in spiritual formation. We've been talking about the idea of discipleship. Now, a disciple, as we have been clarifying, is one who orients their entire life around the kingdom of God. So the first week we talked about what it looks like to be a disciple or the Talmudim of God, to be with Jesus, to be like Jesus, to do what Jesus did. Last week we talked about the rich young ruler and how he was um, unwilling to follow Jesus, that he didn't hear the intimate invitation of Jesus. All he heard that he would have to give up some of the things that he had placed his identity in, that he had his identity in um, his principles and in his possessions or um, in his morals and money, that he had had so linked his identity, misplaced his identity into these things that when Jesus asked him to come follow him, um, the rich young ruler, ruler walked away sorrowful, um, filled with deep sorrow. And um, and so we don't want to be those kind of people. We want to be people who absolutely and fully surrender. That's the way of the cross. And so we've been talking about uh, Matthew 16, verses 24 through 26. And this first part is sort of this call to disciples. And here's what Jesus said. Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life, Uh, For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? So we're talking about discipleship. Jesus says, if you want to be my disciple, you've got to do these things. You've got to deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. Um, Jesus's invitation here to follow me is not this cold, impersonal, transactional type relationship. No, he's talking about an intimate, personal invitation into transformational living. So there's a difference here. He's offering a new and hope-filled way to be human. And I think too often as believers, we get caught in um, this idea that our faith is intended to be this sort of transactional thing. Well, I believe in Jesus and now I'm saved and I've got my ticket to heaven. And so this is how uh, my life works. Well, the, the faith is not intended to be a transactional faith, an impersonal sort of cold transactional transactional faith, like going down to the local gas station and just handing your debit card out the window to get a full tank of gas and thank you, sir, and you're on your way, an impersonal um, sort of cold in transactional um, relationship. That's not what the kingdom of God is about. No, it is a very personal, very intimate, very deep invitation to transformational living. Lee Camp, in his book, Mere Discipleship, said this about what it looks like to be a disciple. He said, disciples prioritize God's kingdom rather than the self-seeking agendas of the kingdoms of the world. There is no compartmentalization, excuse me, there is no compartmentalization of the faith, no realm, no sphere, no business, no politic in which the lordship of Christ will not will be excluded. We either make him Lord of all lords or we deny him as Lord 
of any. So in effect, the big idea here is that disciples cannot, disciples prioritize God's kingdom. We can't compartmentalize the kingdom like, well, God's kingdom can, can talk to me about my spiritual life, but leave me alone in regards to my political life or leave me alone in regards to the relationships that I have with people. No, there's no place in our life where God's kingdom cannot be fully um, embraced. And so Lee Camp is telling us here that we've got to prioritize God's kingdom and not our self-seeking agendas. That what God calls us into is a radical surrender unto him where his kingdom invades every single part of our lives. And so what I want to talk about this morning is intentional versus unintentional formation. Intentional versus unintentional formation. If if this follow me invitation is an invitation into transformational living, what does it look like to be transformational people of God? What does it look like to enter into a relationship where we are being transformed into the image of God? So unintentional, unintentional versus intentional formation. If you have your Bibles, turn to uh, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, probably some of my favorite um, text in the scripture. Um, the first 11 chapters of Romans, Paul is writing out, he's laying out this incredible sort of dissertation on uh, uh, on. Um, sort of the theology of the Christian life. And in chapter 12, he turns the page and says, now taking into consideration all that we've learned theologically about the kingdom of God, how then shall we live? This is sort of the application now of what he has taught them in regards to their theology or how they, the doctrine of, of Christianity. And so one person called uh, 12 verses one and two, chapter 12 verses one and two, a liturgy of life. Like this is how we, should approach our life. This is how we should um, how, how we should worship with our lives. And I'm going to read it out of the Passion Translation. It says like this, Beloved friends, what should be our proper response to God's marvelous mercies? I encourage you to surrender yourselves to God to be his sacred living sacrifices. Now, hopefully you can hear in that right? To be his, um, encourage you to surrender yourselves to God, to be his sacred living sacrifices. I hear in that, take up your cross. I hear in that phrase, absolute surrender, right? He goes on to say, and live in holiness. And let me say in parentheses here, holiness doesn't just happen. Holiness doesn't just happen. He says, live in holiness, experiencing all that, all that delights God's heart. For this becomes your genuine expression of worship, a liturgy of life. You're, this becomes your genuine expression of worship. Stop imitating, or one version would say, do not be conformed. Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. That's Romans 12, 1 and 2. Like I said, one man called it, I love this statement, it's a liturgy of life. But in that, I'm hearing, take up your cross and follow me. I'm hearing this idea of absolute surrender. I'm hearing this idea of a call into holiness. I'm hearing this idea 
I'm not allowing myself to be conformed. I'm hearing this idea of changing the way I think, renewing my mind, which is a call to repentance, right? And we've shared this quote before from Brett McCracken, and we're going to link um, to this article. He wrote an article for TGC or the Gospel Coalition, Coalition called Are Our Churches Losing the Battle to Form Christians. That's the title of the article. Again, we'll link it below. Our, Christ, our church is losing the battle to form Christians. And we shared this at the beginning of this series, this quote. He says, how can a few hours of Christian formation and during COVID, maybe zero hours, compete with the tidal wave of media rushing over people? Even the most pastorally effective shepherds will struggle to guard the flocks against the many voices influencing them. Now, we're talking about unintentional versus intentional formation. And I want to encourage you to go read that entire article that Brett McCracken wrote for TGC, Our Church is Losing the Battle to Form Christians, because I would venture to say that in a lot of ways, yes, we are. And part of the reason is because we don't understand the difference between unintentional and intentional formation. So we can spend maybe a few hours, maybe two hours a week, maybe one hour a week of coming to church or coming to the live stream, hearing the word of God taught, this sort of intentional formation happening, maybe that is, maybe it isn't, and, and then go spend countless hours, we'll say countless hours in unintentional, unintentional formational spaces, not realizing that what is happening is we are being shaped. So baseline, we have to understand we are all being formed. Every single one of us is being formed, whether we like it or not, intentional or not. We are either conforming or we are transforming. We're either conforming or we are uh, transforming. And the scripture tells us, Romans 12 verses 1 and 2, uh, it says in the ESV, it says, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So this is the big idea of 12, 1 and 2. Do not be conformed to the patterns of this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now let's talk first about this idea of being conformed. Um, this unintentional, I would call it unintentional formation, being conformed. And there's a few ways in which we can be formed unintentionally. I'm going to just list four. There's probably more, um, but just real quick, four quick ways in which we are formed unintentionally. Number one is the stories that we believe. Now, it's important to recognize we are story people. Every single one of us, we love stories. When people tell a good story, it's why we get... So Netflix is blowing up. Hulu has blown up. They've literally changed the entire way in which people view TV because we're story people. And so when they came out and said, we're going to release an entire series to you, 15 episodes or whatever it is, in one night, and people sit up all night and watch the entire... They binge watch the entire series. Why? Because we're story people. We love stories. We get caught up in stories. We get emotionally connected to stories. We love stories. And so the stories that we believe have an ability to form us and shape us. The stories that we believe. And this is so important. Like this is the, this is why social media is so 
powerful. Brett McCracken talks about this in his in his TGC article. But this is why social media is so powerful because it provides for us stories. Oftentimes the stories of our friends where we can lean in and, and see what's happening in our friends' lives with them and their families and their children and, and how they're celebrating life. And so that's a beautiful thing that it can be, but also it, it tells us stories that may or may not be true. It shapes ideas for us that we may or may not recognize that the algorithms are intentionally establishing a story a storyline for us that may or may not be reality. Social media is powerful because social media understands that we are a story people and the stories we believe shape us. I don't do this very often, but I do want to recommend, and again, we'll drop the link below. I do want to recommend that you go and watch uh, the documentary, The Social Dilemma on Netflix. Um, I don't normally, you know, recommend from the pulpit documentaries, but this will help you understand how social media is, um, is formulating or manipulating stories and manipulating data for the sake of forming and shaping you and me. Now, if we don't understand that, if we just walk into social media as if it's a, just a beautiful, we're just innocent people, we're walking into a mess of storytelling that may or may not be true because they know that we're story people and that stories will shape us. And so they, being the social media conglomerates, the people who have bought uh, social media, they are intentionally um, designing social media for you to stay attached to it, to believe it and for it to lead you and shape you. You may not realize it unintentionally being formed by social media or the stories that we believe. We can hear them on the news. Of course, we can read them in paper and books, wherever we hear those stories, but stories shape us whether we recognize it or not. The other thing that shapes us is our habits. These are the things that we love or that we long for. And before we know it, we are being shaped by the habits that we have formed. So again, I'm not trying to dog on social media this morning, but if you get up every morning and social media is your first habit, you are being formed by, you are being discipled by your social media. Um, what are the habits that you have? What are your loves and your longings? And when you start to look at those things, you'll begin to realize that your life, your thought processes are shaped and formed by those loves and longings. I mean, a, a simple example, and, and maybe not apples to apples, but I love coffee. Can I get an amen? Anybody else love some coffee? Now, I love coffee so much that my life is sometimes formed by coffee. When I travel, I look to see where the best coffee shop is and I will, I will choose a hotel if I can near that place because I love coffee. So my habit of being a coffee drinker sometimes shapes and forms the patterns of my life. I will go out of my way to go to a really good coffee shop even if there is an average coffee shop just down the street. I have no problem doing that. Why? Because my habits have shaped me. My loves and my longings have shaped my heart in regards to coffee. So our habits shape us. Think through that. Another thing that shapes us, unintentionally forms us. We may not realize it's happening, but it is happening is our relationships. The people that we choose to surround ourselves with they are helping to shape who we are. 
And again, I'm calling it, it's unintentional formation because what's happened is we are being conformed. We are beginning to fit in with those people rather than being transformed. Now, it's not necessarily bad. Uh, all of those people that we're with, we need people in our lives. We need each other. That's a, for certain, um, that's, that's a necessity of the human heart. This is what has made COVID so difficult for people because we need people. So relationships aren't wrong or aren't bad, but we have to ask ourselves, how is this relationship forming me or shaping me? How am I taking on um, the ideas or ideals of this other people or these other people in my life that maybe are not um, in alignment with my kingdom principles, with the principles that God has placed before me? So my relationships, the people I choose to surround myself with will shape me, unintentionally form me, in my life, we've seen this before where um, as people get older, like husband and wife, the relationship they've been in, all of a sudden, they don't realize it maybe, but they start dressing exactly the same. They start getting the same haircut. Uh, they start completing each other's sentences. They start becoming one person. Why? Because they've conformed to each other. They've all of a sudden, there's been a formation that's happened over the years that was unintentional and they've become so much like each other the relationships that we have. And then lastly, the environments around us, ways in which we're conformed, this unintentional formation, the environments around us, the cultural impact of, of the places where we live, the people that we see, um, the things that we that culture provides to us or our immediate context provides to us and says, hey, this is the way or that's the way. Um, for instance, downtown, if you live downtown Portland, you might, you might find yourself eventually saying, you know what, maybe I should ride a bicycle more often than drive my vehicle. You know what? Maybe I don't need a big truck anymore. Maybe a smaller economical vehicle uh, will work better for me. And what is happening is oftentimes when people begin to become conformed or they're unintentionally formed by just the cultural uh, society around them. The impact of their environment uh, shapes and molds them in specific ways. So every single one of us are being shaped and formed whether we realize it or not. And what we have to what we have to do is be aware that there is unintentional formation happening that there is a, a lure into just conforming because conforming takes no effort. It takes no work whatsoever. Everybody has this opportunity to be conformed. This is why uh, Paul says, do not be conformed. This is something you have to sort of stand against, just being conformed into the patterns, patterns or systems of this world. Uh, he says, stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you. Stop imitating the ideas, uh, the, the ideals and opinions of the culture around you. Do not be conformed. But he doesn't stop there. He says, what I want you to do, rather than being conformed to the systems of this world, I want you to be transformed. Now, being transformed is intentional formation. It is a careful look at my own soul and recognizing the needs that I have in regards to the kingdom of God and intentionally working to see my entire life be radically reformed, radically transformed for the kingdom of God. Now, before we get too far, I always think of uh, Dallas Willard's statement that God is not opposed to effort. He's opposed to earning. 
So when we talk about intentional formation, we are talking about effort. We are talking about intentionally putting forth work so that we can be changed and transformed into the image of God. And too often we can get caught up and go, whoa, 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 are you saying that it's a works-based gospel? No, we're not talking about a works-based salvation. We don't earn the grace of God. But as Dallas Willard says, God is not opposed to effort. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. He's not opposed to effort. He's opposed to earning. There's nothing that we can do to earn the love of God. So let's talk about what it looks like to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Or the Passion Translation says, be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. Now, I've shared before the book, The Great Omission by Dallas Willard, which has really revolutionized my own heart in regards to this idea of discipleship. In that book, Dallas Willard says this, the general human failing is to want what is right and important, but at the same time, not to commit to the kind of life that will produce the action we know to be right and the condition we want to enjoy. This is the feature of human character that explains why the road to hell is paved with good intentions. We intend what is right, but we avoid the life that would make it reality. We intend what is right, but we avoid the life that would make it a reality. Like we know the things that we should do to become the people we want to become, but oftentimes we just don't want to do the work. We just don't want to put forth the effort. We're good intended, but we lack the desire to put in the work, the effort to to move in the direction that's needed to uh, one person said like this, we want the life of Jesus without the lifestyle of Jesus. Like we want to be like Jesus. Man, it would be so awesome to be like Jesus, but we don't want to get up early and pray. We don't want to get up and find places of silence and solitude. We don't want to dig into the word of God and study the word of God um, regularly. We, 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 we uh, long for the life of Jesus, but not the lifestyle of Jesus. Those things will cost us something. The lifestyle of Jesus costs us something. And being transformed and intentional formation will cost us something. So Dallas says, we intend what is right, but we avoid the life that would make it reality. Now, there's only two places in the New Testament where this idea of transformed is used uh, in the way that Paul is using it here. Um, well, let, let me say this. Paul uses it two times. It's used three times, really. The, the first time is when Jesus goes up on the Mount of Transfiguration and when he is transfigured before uh, Peter, James, and John. That, that is the image. That is the idea of transformation. In Romans chapter 12, when he says, be inwardly transformed, when he says, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then over here in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, he uses the same word, transformation formed when he says this, we can all draw close to him with the veil that's removed from our faces. Now, 
In 2 Corinthians, Paul has been talking about Moses, how Moses received the law. He was in the, in the presence of God, and, and his face was so bright that he had to veil his face because the people were affair, uh, afraid. So he's coming off of Mount Sinai, having spent time with God's presence, and he is radiating the glory of God. His face is shining forth the glory of God, and it is so intense and so out of the ordinary for um, all of the children of Israel that Moses has to veil his face in front of the people because of their fear. And now Paul is using that imagery that they are so familiar with to talk about our relationship with God when he says we can all draw close to God with the veil removed from our faces. So we don't have to have a veil. And with no veil, we all become like mirrors who brightly reflect the glory of the Lord Jesus. He goes on to say, we are being transfigured or transformed, there's that word, into his very image as we move from one brighter level of glory to another. And this glorious transfiguration or transformation comes from the Lord who is spirit. Uh, one verse says, but we all with unveiled face beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are being transformed into that same glory from glory to glory by the spirit of the Lord. Paul is telling the church in Corinth that there is this sort of process of transformation that is taking place, this transformed idea, intentional formation. Now, the word transformed that was used on the Mount of Transfiguration that Paul uses in Romans chapter 12, that he uses in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, that word transformation or transfigured is the word metamorpho in the Greek. It's where we get the word metamorphosis from. And it literally means to change into another form, to change into another form. Uh, we, we, the most beautiful picture is probably a caterpillar who um, builds itself a cocoon. And, and in that cocoon, when it breaks forth out of that cocoon, it is no longer a caterpillar anymore. It is a butterfly. It has been completely and totally transformed. It's gone through a metamorphosis in that cocoon and breaks forth now as a butterfly to change into a completely different form. So do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. Be transformed. Change into something completely different by the renewing of your mind. That we are being transformed into the image of God as we move from one level of glory to another level as we walk through a process of transformation. So it's important to recognize this is not like you 2.0. This is not like an updated version of you, like just some additions to your life, like you are pretty good and now we just added a little bit of love. Uh, we just attached a little bit of peace onto you and now it's a new and improved you. No, it's talking about a brand new, fully transformed, changed into another form you. John Calvin would say like this, the image, that image that the, excuse me, says that the image of God, which has been defaced by sin, may be repaired within us. So he's talking about this transformation, the image of God that we carry, that has been defaced by sin, may be repaired within us. And he goes on to say that this progress of this restoration is continuous through our entire life. 
because it is little by little that God causes his glory to shine forth in us. He says, listen, listen, all of us are carriers of the image of God and that image of God has been defaced by sin and that image of God is what God wants to repair in us. The transformation that God is calling us to, this changing into another form that God is calling us to is that the Imago Dei, the image of God might be fully restored in our lives. And God does this through the continuation, through a process day in and day out, little by little, from glory to glory to glory, God is transforming us, making us more into his image. Transform us. Do not be conformed. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, let me share a few ways in which we are formed intentionally. These are some practical ways in which we can be formed intentionally. Again, God's not opposed to effort. He's opposed to earning. So the first thing is this, through teaching. We are transformed, it says, by the renewing of our minds. How do we renew our minds? Well, we renew our minds through teachings. Moments like this where we're listening and taking notes during sermons, um, reading really good books, quality books that are written about the kingdom of God, the ways of God, the teachings of God, breaking down the scripture of God. Um, Obviously, Bible study. When we dig into the scriptures and we and we we don't just read a couple of verses uh, on the surface and do our daily devotion, but we really dig in and ask, like, what is the narrative? God, what are you saying here? What are these imperatives that that you are giving to me? What what what's happening within this text that should be shaping my life? So Bible study, of course, there's podcasts available out there that help with all of this kind of stuff. But I want to be clear. When he says that we all with unveiled face are beholding the glory of God, that idea of beholding the glory is about a careful study of God's glory, a careful study of who God is, not just a casual glance. We will never be transformed into the image of God by just casual glances. We need beholding moments. We need careful study moments where we look into the image and character of God deeply so that as we behold his glory, we can be transformed into that glory. So there's teaching, and in that teaching or that learning, sitting there teaching of sermons, books, Bible studies, podcasts, that we behold God's glory, not just casually glancing, but carefully studying. Another way that we are formed intentionally is through practice. We're talking about practice? Yes, we're talking about practice. Spiritual disciplines. And it's important to recognize that spiritual disciplines are a means to an end. They are not the end. Jesus is the end of all of our spiritual practices, our spiritual disciplines. If they're not leading us into a deeper relationship with Jesus, if they're not leading us into becoming more like Jesus, then they are meaningless. Follow me on that. So the spiritual disciplines, things like silence and solitude, Sabbath, study, fasting, prayer, service, worship, these sort of ideas should be leading us more into the image of Jesus. They're a means by in which we behold God's glory. They're a means by in which we see the presence of God and we are shaped by that presence. 
Now, when we talk about practicing spiritual disciplines, we mean practicing. We, we don't mean that you have perfected them. When I, let me say it like this. We're talking about training, not trying. Training, not trying. You would understand this if you've ever um, worked towards running a marathon or, or maybe doing a triathlon or some sort of Maybe, maybe, maybe you wanted to learn to play an instrument. Well, all of those things required training, not trying. So anybody can get out and say, hey, I tried to run a marathon. I, I, I'd never run a day in my life. And so I signed up and um, the day came and I didn't do any training. I just tried. And so 26.2 miles, here I come. I put the bib on and I got out there and I made it, you know, a mile. Why? Well, I don't make it very far because I was trying really hard. I never really trained. I never really enmeshed myself or, or submerged merged myself into the process of being trained. And so when we talk about practice, we're talking about training. We're talking about spiritual, meaning that we're regularly exercising these ideas. It might be shorter amount of times. When I train to run a half marathon and um, some of the other things that I've trained for, I don't start by trying to run 13.1 miles. When I trained to run hood to coast, I didn't didn't just train by running, you know, 13 miles to start. No, it started with smaller increments of, of just regular training, building in myself a rhythm of running, building within myself a rhythm of breathing, a rhythm of footsteps, understanding how to how to work within this concept of running longer distances. Well, the same thing is true with our spiritual disciplines. We've got to learn how to train ourselves in our spiritual disciplines. So don't start with a 40-day fast. Maybe you start by fasting breakfast. Maybe you start by fasting for a day or a weekend. Um, don't go into 40 days of silence and solitude. That would be difficult in this day and age. No, maybe it goes, I'm going to take an hour. Maybe it's not even an hour. Maybe it's I'm going to take 10 minutes in my morning and I'm going to sit first thing in silence and solitude. And I'm training my heart to get quiet before the Lord. Training, not trying. Dallas Willard said this, evangelicals have often fallen into legalism when they try to obey Christ. That is due in large part to the fact that we have emphasized trying, but not training. When you try to bless those who curse you, for example, trying will prove to never be enough. You have to be trained for that. So practice spiritual disciplines, silence, solitude, Sabbath. There's, there's a number of spiritual disciplines. Number three, community. And this is just a really simple one. We are we are formed by the people, the relationships we have. And so intentionally we have, we need each other. We need the community of Christ. And this is very difficult in this season. I understand that. And hopefully we will come out of the season soon and be able to be together more often. But it doesn't change the fact that we need each other. So we need to find ways to be in community, even in the midst of this situation that we're in. Jesus had decided. Disciples, plural. Jesus invested himself in community. The disciples were shaped and formed not just by Jesus, but by the interactions with each other. 
The community provides for us exposure to ideas and thoughts and stories that are not our own. And it also uh, provides for us encouragement from those who are walking the same journey that we are walking. We need each other. Community is a way to intentionally be formed into the image of God. And then lastly, and probably most importantly, is the Holy Spirit. Intentional formation comes from an intentional relationship with the Holy Spirit. That the Holy Spirit, the scripture tells us the Holy Spirit teaches us all things. The Holy Spirit was sent to dwell with us, to be our comforter, to be our, our helper, uh, to be our counselor. And so we need, to re, we need to rely upon and develop that relationship with the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity of the Godhead, and, and practice the presence of the Holy Spirit. Practice the presence of, of, of leaning into the ministry of the Holy Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit, following after the leading of the Holy Spirit. So we are shaped intentionally or formed intentionally when we dive into teaching, when we begin to practice spiritual disciplines, when we invest ourselves in the community, and when we lay ourselves down and open ourselves up to the ministry of the Holy Spirit who is dwelling within us. The Bible says that those who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. That's in Romans chapter 8. Those who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. And so we need the Holy Spirit in all of us to lead us, to direct us. It says that we are being transformed from glory to glory to glory by His Spirit. That we should be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how we think. It's all by the Spirit of God. And here's what happens when we recognize that, when we are so in tune with what the Spirit of God is doing, what we begin to see is we will see the, 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 the reformation of our lives, the transformation of our lives, this metamorphosis happening in what we call the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5, 22 and 23. It says, but now the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, uh, self-control. I think I missed one. Um, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. So these are indicators that we are being transformed into the image of God. The fruit of the Spirit is intended to indicate to us, to show to us, to reveal to us which ways are we being informed. Um, how are our lives being transformed? Matter of fact, in Galatians 5, just above that, it talks about the, the, the systems and the patterns of this world, that we shouldn't give way to, to, the, to the desires of the flesh, but yet we should allow the fruit of the Spirit to be fully realized in our lives. Let me close with this. Dallas Willard said that the fruit of the Spirit gives a sure sign of transformed character. When our deepest attitudes and dispositions are those of Jesus, it is because we have learned to let the Spirit foster his life in us. And ultimately, that's the call of the disciple. When we talk about spiritual formation, it's a call to allow the Spirit to foster his life in us. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you desire to transform our lives. We thank you, God, 
that you are doing a deep work in each and every one of us. And so, Lord, we, we, we pray that you would help us to recognize the places where we're conforming to the patterns of this world and that we might, we might shift that, that, that we might repent and change the way that we think about those things and allow ourselves, indeed, work towards being transformed by the Spirit of God, that there will be a metamorphosis happening in us regularly, daily. So, Lord, we yield to you. We surrender to you. Change us and transform us from glory to glory, into your image. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. It's our desire to lead people to know Christ and to make Him known. If you'd like to support the ministry of Hope Assembly, go to hopeassembly.org. Thank you for listening, and God bless.